make your processes as easy as possible for your consumers and for your wholesalers. It's really easy for people to abandon carts. It's really easy for stockers to see one thing that they don't like or something that's just not easy for them to grasp and they'll walk away. The easier you can make your business understood, the easier you can make your checkout process, the easiest you can make emailing stockers and creating value in a pack for them, that will be your best friend in getting clients, in getting sales, in getting stores. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, and after helping so many businesses in the e-commerce space over the years, I wanted to bring you the best advice Australian experts in e-commerce and e-commerce store owners had to offer. If you want relatable stories and actionable advice and the latest Facebook advertising strategies, you're in the right place. So let's get into today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. Today, we're here with Victoria from Destino the Label. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So good to have you on the show. So can you tell us a little bit about how Destino the Label came to be? Yeah, so we actually have quite a story about how we launched. So we launched, it was actually our birthday last week, so we've been in operation for two years now. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. So we launched in the middle of COVID. At the time, I was studying and I was um, a cafe manager and I was working 60 hours a week, which is crazy. That is a lot. 18 at the time. And then my dad got diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I had this moment where I was like, growing up as an Italian and in such a family-orientated household, my dad came first. So I went from doing 60 hours a week to doing like 15. And I just thought, I just wanted to spend time with my dad. I wanted to take care of him. I needed to finish my studies. So I just needed to focus on that. What happened was I would get up really early in the morning. I would start at 4 a.m. And then I'd be home by 9 a.m., wake my dad up, take him to all of his appointments, cook for him. We do yoga, do all of his pills, things like that, take him to chemo, the hospital, all those things. And then he'd go to bed and then I would go back to work and I would work another five hours and then I would come home and then study, do my exams and then pretty much repeat my day. It's so much, especially being so young. Like yeah, my mum was like I was 19 when it was my mum. It's just it's so much for someone so young. It's so full on, but you've got to roll with the punches, you know. It's what life throws at you, unfortunately. That's it. Yeah, so my dad was a business owner. So I grew up working in the fruit markets in Melbourne. My dad owned a few, which I loved. And so I learned business skills really young. And then with my dad's sickness, he had to retire overnight because it was terminal from the second he got diagnosed. So we would sit in his chemotherapy sessions and he would say to me, you know, Vic, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. What are we going to do? We need to do something. And it was just... I think it was more his mind that was bored. He wasn't, you know, his mind wasn't active with work. So in that time I said to him, oh, I've got a little business idea. Why don't we just work on it together and just see where it takes us? With that, that's how Destino was born. So we spent our days collaborating, talking about what we wanted the brand to look like. All we knew is that we wanted it to be a representation of our culture. We wanted it to be something modernised and something just really fresh for new generations to continue with traditions because we were a very traditional family. So we came up with our candle scents like limoncello, panettone, cannoli, like very Italian things that everybody knows and everyone can connect to. Yeah. And then uh, our jewellery, we did a whole heap of research and we started designing everything ourselves. And I said to my dad, because growing up, my dad would always wear this really big chili around his neck that he got gifted from my nonna from Italy. Yep. And it was it uh, brings good luck and protection, wards off evil energy, and it just protects you. It's a very big thing in Italian culture. Women never really wore it. 
And I was like to my dad, I really want to wear one. I love it so much because it's such a great representation of our culture. And I just I love it. So we pretty much modernized it for women. We turned it into jewelry that um, could be worn every day. We turned it into just something that people would love and something that everybody could wear, especially the Cornicello. It wasn't very known about beyond the Italian culture. Like the evil eyes massive and that started, you know, Greeks, Egyptians, that kind of thing. And it's also really prominent in Italian culture. But that's how we started. And then, yeah, we just developed the brand together. Destino actually means destiny in Italian. And my dad came up with the name. It's a very common saying in our household that il destino, either you say it when something amazing happens or something so tragic. There's no other way to say it. Yep. Yeah. So after a doctor's appointment, my dad came home and he was like, that's exactly what we need to call the brand because it's everything, destino. The family connection as well, which is just... Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we started the brand. Unfortunately, it got put on hold, obviously, when my dad passed away. So he passed away 13 months after he was diagnosed. Sorry. That's okay. And then it took a couple months off after just to deal with the grief and things and all that that came with it. And then about four months later, we launched. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was yeah, it was incredible, the launch. And here we are today. Oh, man. Like, it's just, my, my heart breaks a little bit for you because I know what it's like. I feel like we have very sort of similar journeys just nearly a decade apart. It's just, I feel like the launch being successful is just a testament to what you guys would have gone through and, like, the teamwork to get that there. So that's obviously heartbreaking but lovely at the yeah. same time. It's always bittersweet, those sort of Yeah. Yeah. The launch, it did well. We hit 10K in 10 minutes and we turned over six figures in six months. Which is just Um, incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. For someone with no background in business, that only, you know, I mean, I did a degree, but that doesn't teach you much life experience. What does that do? (laughs) I did one of those too. It's a nice paper. (laughs) So Um, obviously you did 10K in 10 minutes. 10K in 10 minutes doesn't happen just because what was the steps in the lead up to do that what were the things that you I suppose you attribute the most to that success okay well to be honest with our story I I didn't actually share the reason that my business started till probably about eight months into the business yeah so putting that aside that was nothing that we spoke about our products are very different to what's on the market we revolutionized the Gonicello so for a lot of Italians it was something new and something exciting I think that our success attributes a lot to consistency Mm. on our socials, literally getting behind the camera and speaking about our product, why it's so special, what makes us different, and just the design process behind it. We literally showed so much behind the scenes before we launched. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And honestly, just passion for what I do. I love creating jewelry. I love creating the designs. I love creating something that's different. And being able to show that to the world was really exciting. So yeah. the motivation when we first launched was just anything and everything I could do to getting it out there. Was there anything else you did other than, I'm assuming, Instagram? Uh, yes, we did Instagram and Facebook, a lot of email marketing, to be honest, which is really underrated. People oh, man. <laughs> I run a Facebook ads agency and I still think it's underrated. Like it's so underrated. People are like, oh, emails spam me. I'm like, no, no, email is where you should be making most of your money from. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Is there anything that you did to collect those email addresses? Because I know that people do really struggle with that part. Yeah, so we did, before we launched, we did a giveaway. 
we had our website up and not running, but that page, the la- our landing page to collect emails. So that when we first launched, it was the first thing that we sent out, you know, with a discount code and early access to whoever signed up. That did well, contributed a lot. And then we did things like, you know, if you share our page, you'll get a special discount code. I think as well, another thing that's really underrated is word of mouth. There's a way you can do that with Instagram. And it's literally by if people are sharing your page, their people are seeing it. And then if another person that connects to that, then their people are seeing it. So it's that whole domino effect. So if you can offer something to them for people to be able to share it and post about it, then that's how more people know about it. And that's one of the biggest things that attributed to our success with our launch yeah amazing i feel like having that sort of italian heritage connection would really help too because they're very big on the like family and supporting each other and things so one person would find it and share it and then all of a sudden all of their friends and family are probably also italian that like you've got into a really lovely market of people that will just share because they're really proud of their culture and their heritage and i really love that yeah, 100% because everything about our brand is different. There's nothing on the market that's like us. It was just something exciting for people to see. And I had a lot of messages. Again, this is from people that didn't know about our story yet without me. Just, you know, whether you're Italian or not, you can guess what it means. Yeah. So, but for Italians, when we first launched, a lot of them were like, oh, my God, I love your name. The chili, it reminds me of my nonna. It reminds me of my nonno. It reminds me of Italy. There were yeah. so many reasons for people to connect to the brand. That emotional connection is so important. And like, obviously you've gone into creating this with a lot of emotion, mm-hmm. but it's come through so lovely. And obviously people are connecting with that and that's just wonderful. Yeah, exactly right. I think one of the things with business that people tend to overlook is when you start a business, you either need to solve a problem, create an emotional connection or create something that no one's done before. And you did two of them. I did two of them. <laughs> and if you are creating something that people have done before, that's fine. But what's your point of difference? And I think that a lot of business owners forget that. It's yeah. such an important part. A hundred percent. They really do. They come into the market like, oh, I made this thing. And it's like, why is your thing different to the 10,000 of that that already exists? I mean, right. as you said, you've made something new. Like there is, I've not seen anything in Australia like what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And it's gorgeous. But you've done something different. A lot mm. of people come into the market, they're like, I made this thing and it's, I've seen 70 of those. Like, mm. it's great, but like, where is your difference? How are you different? Is it that you tell a different story? Is that the product actually looks the same, but it's actually different? Is there an mm. emotional connection here somewhere? I, I do think that's really important. I think that's where a lot of people struggle is mm. that they just make a thing. Yeah, 100%. And that's hard. And I think that with my marketing background, with my degree, I think that I learned that at any point in your business, as many points as you can, make it different. For us, the candle scents were something that no one has ever done before. They're exclusive to our brand. The designs of our products, again, it's exclusive to our brand. But also the quality of our product, it's gold-filled, which there's still nobody knows what gold-filled is. It's still a new thing that's coming out into the jewellery market. But that created quality, that created, you know, demand and the design as well. There's so many points where I was like, okay, we can make candles, but how are we going to make them different? We can make jewellery, but how are we going to add quality? How are we going to add value back to our customers? And yeah. that's a really important thing for people that are starting new businesses. Yeah. And I think that's probably why you've seen such success in just two years. A lot of people get to two years and okay, we're still going. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be motivated. <laughs> oh, man. I'm 13 years in. I, I know the motivation. um so obviously that's how you did your marketing in the early days how's that different to how you do it now so now we actually share the reason we started our story to be honest 
because it's such a personal story and grief is really hard. It's not something that is always talked about. I feel like it's something that's almost not shamed, but just hidden. Yeah, I feel like especially in the Australian Western culture, death is not talked about. No, it's so uncomfortable. It really is. I mean, we were talking before we started recording. We have very similar Mm. brand stories. I mean, I started my business because my mum got diagnosed with terminal cancer as well and I didn't want to be commuting and working crazy hours and things so we have very similar stories but I don't really tell anyone comes up every now and then in a podcast but it's one of those things that I feel like we take very privately but it is something that nearly everyone has experience with not everyone loses a parent in their 19s and 20s like we did but it's still something that at some point everyone is going to go through and it is such a, a relatable while uncomfortable and sad part of business, it is a part of business. It is. And a part of life. It definitely is. And I think that, like we were saying, it's just something that people just hide. It's okay mm. to have bad days. It's okay to have grief. It's a part of life. It's inevitable. Yeah. It's how you find your community to deal with it, I think. Yeah. And I think it is the nice thing about having your own business is that if the grief hits and you need some time, you need some time and you can take it. It's not just going to keep slogging on because I have to. Like we have built things that give us the space to to have those feelings, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. And to, you know, if you need the day, you just take the day and do the things that make you happy and keep going with it. Hi, it's me again. Just wanted to interrupt the podcast episode briefly to let you know about Small Budget's big results. If you've been around a while, you might have heard about it last time it launched. We're about to relaunch and basically Small Budget Big Results was built to help people on small budgets get their foot into the door of Facebook ads and learn how to get results because it really is a different ball game when you're playing with five, 10, $15 a day. I couldn't find a course that was teaching people how to do this, so I built one. So if you want to be one of the first to know when we relaunch, head to waitlist.brightredmarketing.com.au and I look forward to seeing you there. So obviously your story and the creation of your brand, it's a part of your business and it's a part of your story. And I assume that people are relating to that and especially in the Italian culture where everything is so family orientated. Mm -hmm. I imagine people are really responsive to that and your honesty, I suppose. Yeah, so with how the story came out, I was nowhere near ready to share to the world like what happened and why we started it was just such a personal thing and for a really long time I didn't want to share it I tried to hide it to be honest with you because it was something that I was just like no this is mine I can't share this with people it's so personal I just didn't want I was scared what the I I was scared I was honestly scared understandable yeah and then I had a few people reach out to me that I had no idea who they were but they heard my story through word of mouth because Mm. obviously my family and a few of my friends knew what I was doing and these people reached out to me on Instagram and was like, oh, I heard about your story. I loved it so much. It actually helped me because I'm going through the same thing. Or, you know, your story is what gets me through. This is just amazing that you can overcome such a difficult thing in your life. And you've inspired me. So from that, I was like, okay, maybe I should start talking about it a little bit. So I started with an Instagram post, a photo of me and my dad when I was little in the market, and then a photo of us before he passed away. And I just said some simple short message. I didn't go into any details. It was just, I started the brand with my dad to see it on his destiny to us. This is what it is. And it got such a big reaction from people. It was nuts. I had so many people in my DMs, so many people commenting, sharing the post because they just wanted to help. They wanted to feel a part of it. And it just created this massive Italian community, but also a community of people that 
dealt with mental health, that dealt with grief, that just wanted to help. Yeah. Then from that, we had Take Five come out and that was the biggest thing because that was that explained our story in depth. Yeah. I was so nervous that morning when I knew it was coming out. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, man, I can only imagine. Yeah. And, like, you wouldn't know how they, not twisted it, but, like, how they've decided to put it together. There's so much that would have been out of your control. I assume you didn't get to approve the finished piece before it went in. couple of the photos, that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you'd have no idea what they ended up publishing. Like, I can, that would be very nerve-wracking. Yeah, it was very scary. I made sure, like, not again, I was at the door buying this magazine and just reading my story first. <laughs> and then Daily Mail wanted to talk about it because, again, it's such a personal story. There was so much behind it, so many different aspects people could connect to. So that came out and then, you know, just all these little things where people were, like, wanting to talk about it. And I'm actually really glad that I spoke about it and that I still continue to speak about it and that the new people that find my business know about it. To this day, I still get people messaging me about the Take 5 article that came out. And it's so beautiful because it just makes me remember, like, I did this for my dad, but now I'm also doing it for everybody that is going through a difficult time and just trying to show them that, you know, you can come out of it in a positive way. It can have a positive effect on your life and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I imagine that people being able to relate to that is just that's where that emotional connection comes from. And it's not fabricated. It's not manufactured. It's not, oh, I'm adding some emotional connection for the sake of it. It's just real. And I feel like in this world of social media, we really miss real and we miss genuine human connection on things that are important. A hundred percent. And it's one of those things. Social media glamorizes so many things, but death is death. You can't glamorize it. There's nothing pretty about it. There's nothing pretty about it. And like I said, everyone goes through it. So it's something that everybody knows about and everybody will unfortunately have to feel one day. Unfortunately. Obviously, your business is growing. We'll continue to get pressed because it's just such a powerful story, I think. But you also wholesale. I do. Tell us about that decision to wholesale and then if you've got any like do's and don'ts because I know a lot of people want to get into wholesaling but they find it a bit challenging. Cool. So wholesaling, I actually never thought about it before when I first launched. It was just something that actually came to me. I had a store reach out. Someone within this particular community was telling them about my story. They saw my stuff. They bought off me and they were like, I need to have your stuff in my store. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do that. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was very much like a fake it till you make it vibe. Perfect. So I researched everything, like what wholesale is, how to do it, you know, everything I could find out in 24 hours about wholesale, I did because I had this meeting the next day where they wanted to see everything, they wanted pricing, they wanted everything. Went there, they loved it, they wanted to wholesale. Once I started getting comfortable with the process, it took about a month and I under- until I could understand it properly mm. and really think about how I could do this. I just started posting about it on my website, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of it. And then I had more people asking about it, more people, more stores wanting to carry my stuff. And then I decided to do a trade show. So I did the Read Gift Fair. I've been doing it since I started now, which was an achievement in its own doing it in my first year, which is crazy because it's a very big thing. It's a very big process. It's very scary because there are a lot of established brands that do it. That's a big show for your, I don't know if it was your first show, but like, that's a big show. 
Yeah, it's the biggest gift bear show in Australia. I found a lot of connections with that. And again, that is a really big risk on its own. It's a very big financial risk. But I was just so keen to learn. And I was like, no, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to learn from this. Even if I make nothing, if I go broke from it, I'm going to learn something and I'm going to get stores, 100%. It was just that positive mindset, I think. So now we're two years in. We just celebrated our birthday last year and Destino's global. We've got over 150 stockists worldwide and we've got another 30 going in by the end of the year. Exciting. Um, Yeah, so it's growing. I think it takes a lot of time and if I could give any advice to anyone, it would be make sure your catalogue is new and exciting. Make sure that you talk about your brand. One of the things that I've learned throughout my whole two years is that people don't buy from businesses. And I think that if people kept that at the back of their mind when they're doing their businesses and when they're starting things, it'd be a lot easier because you're like, okay, how can I make a personal connection in this? How can I show my story? How can I connect with them on a different level? In particular, a lot of the bigger stores that we're in, I researched the hell out of the buyers, the store, the stories, so that when I went to these meetings, I knew everything. And any question that they could throw at me, I knew the answer to. And I knew enough about their business to talk about their business. One of the things that I would say as well is if you're approaching wholesalers, again, or stores, because that's a great way to go about it, talk about how your business can fit into theirs. Yeah. That's a really important thing as well is because you're not going to go to anyone and just be like, yeah, stop my product. How does it align? Yeah. And then adding value to what you give them as well. I think that's just such great business advice in general. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that this is my product, I need to sell it and not how does your product actually fit into other people's lives, whether Mm -hmm. it's wholesaler or just direct to consumer, like where does your product fit? Like how can you explain that value? How can you make it so that it's what they want and need, not what you want and need? Because no one really cares. They care about what they're going to get. They care about the relationship. They, As you said, they care about people. But in terms of your product, no one really cares. They want to know what difference it's going to make to their life. And I feel like you've really nailed that, which is fantastic, especially for someone that's so not like new in business, but two years is still on the new-ish side. And it's like you've hit the ground running with these really great concepts in terms of how this works. And I think it's just worked so well for you. Thank you. Everything is a trial and error of kind of thing. You can listen to all the mentors, you can listen to everything, but until you're actually out there doing it yourself and learning from your own mistakes, it's completely different. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I know we've covered a huge range of things, but do you have any like best practices, best tips for e-commerce businesses? We've covered a lot. We have covered a lot. Um, make your processes as easy as possible for your consumers and for your wholesalers. Yeah. It's really easy for people to abandon carts. It's really easy for stockers to see one thing that they don't like or something that's just not easy for them to grasp and they'll walk away. The easier you can make your business understood, the easier you can make your checkout process, the easiest you can make emailing stockers and creating value in a pack for them. That will be your best friend in getting clients, in getting sales, in getting stores. I love that. Yeah, in every single way, customer, wholesaler, make it as easy as possible. And if you don't get a particular wholesaler, ask them why. Just ask them if they have feedback for you and then learn, adjust what you're doing and go on to the next one. And then eventually one day circle back. I love that, especially the simplicity thing. I think we live in such a 
an age of swiping and scrolling and no attention spans, it really is important to focus on making things as immediately easy for people. Mm. Like you don't want them to have to search for anything. Like it needs to just be, here's everything, click, buy, do the thing. Same with wholesalers. They're business owners too. They're busy. Like Mm -hmm. you need to make it as easy and snappy as possible so that they can make decisions quickly. Definitely. Lovely. Anything you think we've missed before we get into the last couple of questions and wrap up? I feel like we've covered a lot. I know. I speak a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. All righty. Do you have any strategies or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track in business? Yes, I do. Every day I've got my non-negotiables. So I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is I have five minutes of just breathing and just gathering my thoughts for the day. And then I will do my affirmations in the mirror. Lovely. I have my tea, I do my yoga, I go for a walk and then I come back and I sit down and I start my work and then before I go to bed, I make sure that I have half an hour of no screen time before I sleep. I love it. Yeah. I think your non-negotiables are really important with business to avoid burnout, to keep your productivity as best you can. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Nice way to top and tail the day too, just Mm -hmm. giving yourself some time and space. I love that. Do you have a favourite podcast? Oh, besides yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> the Mindset Mentor is amazing. He's fantastic. I listen to him a lot when I go for my walks. He's incredible. Do you have a favourite business book? Oh, probably just Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I love Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a great book and I think that a lot of the lessons he's got in it can easily be transferred to any aspect of business. There's a photo of me reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Pool when I was like 13. And if people want to visit you, what's the best way for them to do that? Facebook, DM me. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So thank you. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Bright Minds of E-commerce podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash episode 53. Thanks for listening.